Welcome to Exploit It. I'm Alexis Chowski. I'm Kevin Daly. And this week we're talking about Sleepaway Camp from 1983, directed by Robert Hiltzik. Dear Mom and Dad, I've been at a sleepaway camp for almost three weeks. And I'm getting very scared. Welcome to Sleepaway Camp. Someone is watching you. Hey, Baba, Reba! Someone is waiting for you. Someone wants to scare you to death. Sleepaway camp. You won't be coming home. So this movie. That's a, that's what I have to say. This movie. This movie. All right. Nice to talk to you. Good. <laughs> All right. Yeah. This movie. It is a slasher film that's really more of a murder mystery, if anything, though. It's relatively tame for the most part. Yeah. I mean, it follows on the heels of friday the 13th films and the big slasher craze but it's a little different maybe we're just desensitized to violence so much now after watching some of the stuff we watch that it's like oh yeah that person's getting stabbed in the back eh, all right yep so this movie jumping right in it starts with the title card that says in fond memory of mom which is awkward to see in a slasher film yeah um, but the reason why is because robert hiltzik his mother had passed away, and it was her inheritance that paid for this movie. Well, I mean, he, he made an iconic film. He did. So good use for the money, I guess, and it spawned a franchise of movies. Of sorts, yeah. There, there, it, it does. Of. It does have a franchise. <laughs> so that's a pretty good use of inheritance money. Yeah, we'll mention the franchise later, but there is a franchise. It is something that exists begrudgingly exists yep so the opening credits are just over shots of a camp and there's just sounds of people at summer camp camp arawak camp arawak yep and it's i don't know if they're like the ghost of campers or if it's just setting a mood yeah i i I think it takes place after the movie the intro but then it goes into before the I don't know. Yeah, because the first scene we get takes place years before the bulk of the movie. We have two kids. Like, the intro has, like, like it looks like it's, the camp's abandoned, but that's obviously not the case during the course of the movie. Well, yeah, there's, like, a big old closed by the sheriff sign on it. So I gotta imagine that's, uh, like, a prim- like a foreshadowing thing. It could be. I have no idea. Or it could just be weird decision. The first actual scene after the credits are the, um, oh, it's those kids and their dad. Out on the lake. Right. Two little kids, Angela and Peter, and their dad, I can't remember his name. Sir, not appearing in this movie for more than five minutes. It, yeah, he's barely in it, because what happens is, well, they're out on that boat, and they're just being a family. And dad's friend stands at the shore yes, and is like, friend. friend. We'll go with friend for now. He's like, we gotta go, the doctor's here. And the doctor that they're talking about, the kids drop some dialogue, is Aunt Martha 
And they're like, is Ricky going to be there? No, he's away with his dad. Because we'll learn more about those characters later. That's right, because Ricky's dad does is separated or divorced from their aunt. Yeah, well, Aunt Martha and Ricky, you will we'll get to more. Yes, they're important characters in the movie. But the kids are just playing around, and they push Dad off the boat and tip the boat over. They're splashing and playing in the lake. Meanwhile, across the lake at the camp, there's some kids jet skiing. Doing the doing the spring break Havasu thing. Yep, and I've got the note here that teenagers are awful. Yes, I think there was a My Chemical Romance song to the effect of that. Teenagers scare the living shit out of me. That's that would be it, yes. Because you got the the boy that's driving the boat and his teenage girlfriend that's like, let me drive, let me drive. And at first he's like, no, no, I can't against the rules, against the rules. But eventually he gives in and she's terrible at driving a boat and she runs over this family that's in the water. Yep. And we don't quite know who died. Except well, the dad. We... Yeah, well, the dad's dead. <laughs> yeah, that that's made clear. We don't know who else has survived at this point. Jump right ahead to eight years later, and we meet Angela, who survived. Yes. Um, with her cousin Ricky and Aunt Martha. And Aunt Martha is weird. Well, the actress making use of every inch of scenery. Oh, she's she, really hungry that day. She's like, oh well, let's. We need snacks. No, that wouldn't do at all. And she's like, just no, no, that wouldn't do. Keep side monologuing and. No. no, that wouldn't do at all. Richard, Angela! Oh, here you are. Look what I did. I packed you and your cousin some goodies for the ride up to camp. Wasn't that nice of me? Hmm? Any chips? Why, of course. I believe there's a whole bag. Well, I'm almost sure of it. Angela, isn't there anything special my little girl would care for? Hmm? We gotta go, Mom. It's getting late. Why, of course you do, dear. We wouldn't want them to leave without us, now would we? No? No, I'm afraid that that wouldn't do. Come, children. Let's be on our way. Now what? I believe that I've forgotten something. Now, what can it be? Oh, I remember what it is. I knew I wouldn't forget. I just kept reminding myself. In fact, I tied a string around... around my finger so I wouldn't forget. See? And I didn't. You never can be too careful. Well, what is it already? Oh, just a moment. I'll be right back. Good old mom's at it again. Here they are, all filled out and signed by yours truly. Wasn't that nice of me, hmm? What are they? Why, they're your physicals, of course. We can't go to camp without our physicals now, can we? Just be careful not to tell anyone how you got them. Oh, no, no, I'm afraid that they wouldn't approve of that at all. Even though they know that I am a doctor. No matter what they do, I'll never tell. Oh, you're such a dear. Well, run along now. So long, Mom. Goodbye, my angel. I hope you have a good time. But of course you will. Take good care of my little girl, Richard. Goodbye, Mom. 
Goodbye, dear. I'm watching this scene, and I go, this is as bad as, as Blood Feast. Yeah, her I, acting. It, it, it does get better, but at this point in the movie, I'm like, what am I watching? Well, she's the only one in this movie I can't stand. Yeah, I know. But that's like the first real scene of the movie, right? Like, And you're yeah. introduced to these characters, and this is the first character that really has any extended dialogue, because Angela doesn't talk. In fact, she doesn't talk for the first 30 minutes of the movie. Yeah, she doesn't. She's just quiet. Ricky, however, he talks a mile a minute. He's 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 chatty. Very. This is the first one we get, and it's like, uh, is the acting going to be? Because again, I I know you've seen this movie many times. This is the yeah. first time I've seen it, and I'm uh, like, is this what the whole movie is going to be like? No, it wasn't. But I'm no. worried there for you. Got me had me worried there for a second. That the rest of the whole movie would be Aunt Martha style acting. Yes, I was worried. Oh. It would be a horrible movie. It's like, this is not a snuff film, right? <laughs> what was it? Which one was that? Uh, oh, I think it was Manos, the Mystery Science Theater. Where it was like, this is a snuff film. watch a snuff film. I just watched that movie, that again the other day. So good. But back to Sleepaway Camp. They, um, which they is get, not Manos. It's much better. It's not Manos. It's better than Manos. Not the best movie ever, though. No, I mean, acting is far superior. And we get the intro to the camp. All the buses arrive, and the kids are running around, and they're actual real kids. Which I know, don't this is see. actually the, maybe the coolest thing about this movie is they it's a bunch of middle schoolers. Yeah. Um. In fact, Felisa Bros, who plays Angela, yeah, was thirteen at the time that they were filming. So yeah. and she looks like a thirteen-year-old. Yep. And Jonathan Tiersten, who played Ricky, her cousin, was seventeen at the time. Yeah, he's a young seventeen. Yeah. Still, all teenagers and kids. Which you don't see often. Uh, most slasher movies from the 80s have like 30-year-olds pretending to be in high school. I was going to say, before or after. It's not a very common thing. No, and as all the kids are running around, you meet the, the absolute worst piece of shit character in the whole movie. Other than, other than Aunt Martha. Other than Aunt Martha. You meet the chef, Artie. Yes. And he's seeing all these kids, and he's horrible, and he's like... It's like, uh, the, what is it? It's, uh, is it Fast Times or Dazed and Confused, where he's talking about high school girls? That's Dazed and Confused. Dazed and Confused. And uh, it's like that, but even grosser. Yeah, because he's like, look at all this fresh young chicken, where I come all from. All these. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> Which, ugh. ugh. You know, Gross. and he's just openly ogling these children and talking about, you know, doing gross pedo things. Right. And the rest of the staff that's with him just laughs it off. They're like, oh, Artie. One of the, uh, is it Ben is the character's name? Yes. He is, uh, that is uh, James Earl Jones' father, Robert yes. Earl Jones. Yes, it is. And they have the same exact voice. <laughs> they do. Small role in the movie, but a fun little note nonetheless. It is a a quirky little bit of trivia. Yes. And then we get Ricky and Angela, and we meet Ricky's friend Paul. Yeah. Who makes a comment about, like, man, oh man, Judy. She possesses breasts now, apparently. But, I mean, again, I don't know. Do you remember middle school? Because that was a thing. Yeah, that was. In fact, I used to do summer camp all the time, and that was a thing then, too. This movie's shockingly accurate to what it's like to be in middle school. And we meet, we see Judy, who's... Cut. 
new boobs. She does, and she's talking to all the boys because she now possesses these things and blows off Ricky. Now, interestingly, the woman that played Judy it was like 30. Oh. <laughs> Everyone else, they're all kids, but the, character, the woman playing Judy is like 30. Doesn't look it, though. No. She looks disturbingly like one of my sister's friends. Now, that, that friend is a very nice person, but uh, watching this whole movie going, that's a tough one. <laughs> Couldn't really shake that. And Judy's evil. And in fact, I want to point out that every character in this movie, except for Angela, is absolutely evil and horrible. I hate all of these characters. But I mean, isn't that just representative of what middle school is like? It is. But even the adults suck. That's true. Well, most of them, yeah. Well, we get when Angela's arrives in her cabin, and they're all unpacking, and we get their, like, lead counselor. Well, their counselor, Meg. Who doesn't look any older than any of the middle schoolers in the cabin. No, I, I thought she was a counts, uh, a camp, camper that, at first. Yep. Uh-huh, that was my problem with many of these counselors. Uh, the only one that you can tell is a counselor is Swole Ronnie. I was going to say, yeah, Swole Ronnie, that guy lifts. Yeah, he's all muscled like he bumps. And at one point, and, you see him with like a gym T-shirt too. And one of the few, few nice characters. In there. Yep, because they go, and it's a huge time jump because it's like apparently Angela hasn't eaten in days now. Who's the other girl, the co-counselor that's in the the blonde one? I can't remember her name. She's the other nice character in the movie. She's barely in the movie though. I know she is, but she's the only other one that's that's a nice. But yeah, Swole Ronnie's asking Angela about eating. He's like, oh, she tried lifting. I got my energy bars. That's right. <laughs> I mean, that's that's Swole Ronnie's solution to everything. Swole Ronnie. It's not his fault. The uh, the protein shakes have gone to his head. They have the steroids. Yeah, the roids are are getting him. He's still good. He's still nice though. No roid rage. Louis makes a bad decision here to take Angela to the kitchen to pick something she wants yeah, and hands her. The mincing child-hungry pedophile. Yeah, who, um... Is it ever just oblivious to the fact that this guy's a rapist? Like, I think they know, though. Uh, because, well, Artie takes Angela into the, like, pantry and attempts to do horrible things. Because he's like, I got something for you to for you to taste. And he starts undoing his pants. He's horrible. And that's when Ricky busts it and, you know, Artie threatens Ricky and they run off. And then that's when the camp owner, Mel, is in the kitchen. Yeah. And Artie's like, oh, I guess they got scared. And Mel gives this, like, knowing look, like, yeah, yeah, I bet they did. Oh, yeah, Mel's a shit person, too. Oh, so. he, he is a shit person, too, and he's the camp owner. Yeah. And after that cringy scene... Yeah, right, that scene was, uh, yeah. Yeah, it was hard to watch. It's one thing, it doesn't really set the movie off on a good tone. No, no, it does not. But he is our first death. Well, he doesn't actually die. Yeah, we don't really know his fate other than he is in abject agony yeah because he goes he's boiling water for corn in this gigantic pot yeah i'm like man that is some industrial <laughs> corn cooking where he has to stand on a step stool to at a chair like it's like a good four foot tall pot of boiling water uh, yeah and he's over it and someone comes in and starts pulling the chair out from under him some first person camera work here of quote-unquote, the killer. Yes. And they pull the chair out, Artie grabs the pot, and all the boiling water falls on his face, and it's actually a pretty good effect. Like, his face yeah, is all is. boiling. And, it is really good. And then immediately the police are there taking him away in an ambulance. And 
swole Ronnie is there. He's like, oh, that kind of pain, that kind of agony must be incredible. And I'm like, good, he deserves it. And they never say if he survives because the doctor's not even sure if he's going to make it. Yeah, and um, and, they, and they don't, they never mention if he does or not. I like to think he lives, but survives in horrible pain for the rest of his life. Yes, and even like Swole Ronnie asks, "Well, what about his eyes?" And the doctor's just, uh, I don't know. I'm like, oh, good, his short eyes are blinded, and he's in pain forever. He deserves that. And on that, we're gonna have a real quick commercial break. So here's our commercial. <laughs> Summer is almost upon us, and it's time to think about what to do now that your brats are out of school. Have you considered sending them to summer camp for an extended period of time? Send them here to Camp Arawak. We'll keep your rugrats occupied while you enjoy your summer. At Camp Arawak, children can enjoy the reality of forced activities, teenage bullies, and a chef that loves children a lot. You can enjoy a trip to Hawaii or a tour of Europe, or any of the things you always wanted to do before those kids came along and robbed you of your ambition. Enjoy your summer with a peace of mind knowing that your children are at Camp Arawak. They are not your responsibility at all. Why hire a babysitter for the summer when you can just leave your child in the woods with untrained strangers? At Camp Arawak, we offer a myriad of traumas to craft your little boy or girl into a sufficiently damaged young adult and only in the course of a few months, not years. You won't get that kind of experience sending your kid to a daycare in the city. At Camp Arawak, we understand you didn't enjoy your childhood and feel that your kids shouldn't either. Camp Arawak, providing countless parents with an opportunity to forget about the children they didn't want in the first place. And we're back. So when I thought... Ricky was, like, maybe one of the decent characters. Nope, he's not. We have this scene of bullying where they got this kid Mozart laying on the ground and Ricky's doing this, like, mind over matter, do a sit-up. Oh, yeah, he's doing what middle school boys do, especially in the 80s. It's all a prank to get Mozart to sit up nose first into Paul's ass. (laughs) (laughs) Boys are so lame. They are. Well, there's so much toxic masculinity in this movie, especially in the next scene, which is the baseball game. And it is nothing but, like, insults and insults at each other. That's sports, though. (laughs) I know. Everyone just talks shit. And we get Ricky's filthy mouth. Ricky Ricky reminds me of myself as a middle schooler. Just cussing at everybody? Yeah, pretty much. Not everybody, but... Well, he's cussing at this other kid, Bill, on the other team. Maybe Phil Bill and the rest of the other team are a bunch of asshats, so... They are. So's Ricky! <laughs> yeah, not as much as the other guys. Because Ricky's like, this guy blows dead dogs! And then Billy tells him, eat shit and die, Ricky. Eat shit and live, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. Yeah, it is. But the one thing that got me is sort of like, we're playing a buck a, a buck a person. Which then, I think they make it five bucks. But the ending score is seven to nine. So that's like, what, ten dollars they won? <laughs> yeah. But $1983, so maybe they were right when they were joking about being able to buy a car. <laughs> right. Ah, uh, inflation. Sad. And so we get them all socializing in, I guess, some sort of rec hall. Yeah. It's, it's like a dance, but not a dance. Yeah, it's not a – there's no music and there's nobody dancing. People but it kind of looks like a school dance. It does have the look and feel of it. And Angela's sitting there staring into space and eating a chocolate bar, which is how she had to audition for the role, by the way. Oh, she does it very well. 
Yes, it looks freaking creepy. And we get some kids that are like trying to plan a skinny dipping. Right. And they're like, well, it's a total sausage fest. We need a girl or two. We'll go ask Angela. Yes, because the girl who has not talked the entire time is totally going to be the one to go skinny dipping with you guys. Good call. Good observations. Good observations, kid. And speaking of Sausage Fest, that's what this movie is. There's so oh, much. Yeah. There's a bunch of nudity, but it's all male. It is uh, definitely a, uh, well, it's the 80s. Yeah, but we had... Is uh, it latent homoeroticism just part of 80s filmography? Well, yeah, we did have, you know, Nightmare on M Street 2. We had the volleyball scene in Top Gun. We had uh, Apollo Creed and Rocky running along the beach together. Yeah, Rocky Three. <laughs> yep, Rocky Three, exactly. This is just part of 80s uh, filmography. It was so much repressed, closeted, just wanting to get out there. Yeah, and all these men wearing these tiny, tiny shorts in this movie, especially Swole Ronnie. Uh, Swole Ronnie was just all about tiny shorts and, like, falter tops. Showing off his legs that look like fucking tree trunks. I mean, if I would look, if I had the, if I had Swole Ronnie's body, I'd probably be walking around in the, in the belly shirt and the, in the dolphin shorts too. Yeah, but oh, it's weird because he's wearing that tight shirt and his pecs just stick out. Yeah, he's a, he's a, he's a swole boy. He is. He's got breasts bigger than Judy. It's true. But they, these guys are picking on Angela. They try to ask her out. She just ignores them. And so then they start like, "You're a fucking psycho. You're crazy, girl." And that's when Ricky comes in. And starts his foul mouth again. Yeah, and, just Ricky, Ricky doing Ricky things. Yeah, he's like, I'm going to fucking kill you, you fucking cocksuckers. Actually, he, the line he says is, I'm going to kick your asses. <laughs> just trying to stand up for a cousin, his cousin. That's fine. Paul sticks behind to talk to Angela. And at first he's like humble bragging about, oh yeah, we, we got in trouble for stealing a bunch of panties. Or locking somebody out of the cabin without any clothes on. And, and he realizes he sounds like an ass hat and goes, well, we got caught. Yeah, and he says good night, and it's the first time Angela talks, which he goes good night. It's uh, yeah, it's about whatever. It is about thirty minutes into the movie, right? Give or take. It is about thirty minutes into the movie. Yeah, that's a lot of time for no dialogue for the. I'll, I'll use protagonist. Yeah, because she is the protagonist. Everybody that dies is connected to Angela. Um, and so we get the the girls playing volleyball. Judy's wearing her Judy shirt. Right. Just says Judy on it. And her and Meg are shit talking about, like, well, why, did, why, why doesn't Angela play? Why does Angela get to talk to the boys? Like, what the fuck is, do they care? What's what's their problem? Play some fucking volleyball. Also, there's way too many people on each side of that volleyball mat. But if you know anything about, if you know anything about volleyball. Which I it's don't. like ten girls on each side. This is supposed to be 6v6. <laughs> 10 v 10. It's like eight or ten per side. It's like kind of ridiculous. Well, that's how we played it in elementary school. We'd put half the entire class on one side and half on the other. That's that's true. And that night we have the skinny dipping scene. Just more male nudity. Yeah, just plenty of man ass. And we get... I love that shot. It's just so funny to me. It's just, just dumbass dudes just running around, <laughs> like giggling like the guys are fucking stupid they're trying to get the girls involved who none of them look like they even want to be there and they're just like yeah you guys go ahead skinny dip but eh. yeah, it's fine. Yeah, go. the two stoner kids they're trying to get one of the girls out to go on a boat ride but they are so obviously fucking high the one, especially the one dude mm-hmm. who's uh who's basically stepped out of a cheech and chong movie yeah, he can barely talk. He's just giggling like an idiot. He's like, a canoe, ha ha ha. Yeah. 
But some girl decides to go along with Kenny anyway. I don't have a clue why. Yeah, and she's like, you better not mess with me. I'm like, what did you think he was going to do? They're they're high, and you're going out in a canoe in the middle of the lake with this dude. They like, are high and full of hormones, and he's trying to get you alone somewhere. Right. Don't mess with me. Yeah, uh-huh. Right. And he flips the canoe. Because, high. And she just says, fuck you, and swims away, but he stays under the canoe, like, pretending she's still around. Yep. Well, again, high. Yeah. And he's just singing. He's like... Hey, Bobbery Bob! Like, singing nonsense. Oh yeah, there's a part about, like, watch out for... Water, water snakes. snakes. Which is, it, it's only relevant because of the this incoming death. Yeah, it is. Because the killer's head pops up, and Kenny's like, Oh, well, the other guys see you here. But Kenny's no one round. Does, uh, they just drown him. And then they find the body, and the snake crawls out of his nose, which is kind of funny. Yeah, it's actually a pretty neat effect. Yep, and it was a nice little callback to the reference. Yeah, about the water snakes yep. that are infesting him now. Yep, I appreciated the little nod. Also, good effects, yeah. This is where Swall Ronnie has his gym shirt and his pecs on full display. Yep. He's like, I thought that boy was a good swimmer. Yeah, Swall Ronnie is not convinced these are accidents at this point. No. Whereas Mel was trying to convince himself that they were accidents and convince everyone else around him that they were accidents. And so Paul has asked Angela out to see the movie, which they're they're all supposed to see anyway, but he's like, can we pretend it's a date? Yeah, right. Or Angela's like, sure. And so we get the shot of, you know, the outside the that like rec hall as the movie. We hear like the last chord of the music. Right. And then yeah. everyone's clapping. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, everyone sucks. They're all the assholes that clap at the end of movies. I look, I if you go to a midnight showing of like a big Marvel movie or some shit, there's going to be clapping or Star Wars. Star Wars, you get the claps right at the beginning. Yeah, during the um the fanfare. Yep. You get the cheering and everything as everyone's excited. But no, right. it was. That's why you go to those showings though to be part of the like. But this was something rented in 1983. I know. Yeah, what would a group of uh, middle schoolers be watching at a at a camp in 1983? Herbie goes bananas. <laughs> Maybe. And they're all fucking clapping for Herbie goes bananas. Fuck them. Good, we'll go. That, that's that's headcanon. We're doing that. Yeah, they were watching Herbie goes bananas. That's official headcanon. Official headcanon. And we get the little goodnight kiss between Paul and Angela, which are sweet little innocent middle school kisses. I know. Awkward and, again, feel very... That One of the things I like about this movie is it really does represent that middle school thing, which sucks. And everybody remembers how much it sucked. Yep. Of course, Judy is a, is a bitch the next morning. Shocking. Oh, why don't you shower with us? Yeah, yeah. And she starts in with that, like, I bet you haven't started puberty yet. That's why you don't shower. You don't have any hair. Yeah. She has that horrible line about, you're a carpenter's dream, flat as a board and needs a screw. Yeah. Which uh, gets her slapped by the counselor, deservedly so. Yes, the nice one whose name escapes me. And, let's see, and then speaking of more bullying, um, the boys are bullying that Mozart kid again. Yeah. He's the oh by the way we didn't mention this in the baseball scene, but Mozart's a beast. He's trying to play a video game out there, and the ball gets hit to him, and he he runs that down, makes that catch, and then throws it to second for the double play. Yeah, I know it was sick. That was that was a sick play. 
And then right after he makes that play, he falls down on his back, just exhausted. Yeah, well, you know, he gave, that's called leaving it on the field. That, that dude gave it his all. Yeah, because he was sitting there playing like little tiger boxing games. Yep, I appreciated that. I'm like, oh man, all right, where, where did that ball down? But no, they're they're pulling the old like shaving cream on the hand trick. Yeah, the classic. It is a classic. To where Mozart responds with, I'm going to kill you. And he takes his big fucking knife out of yeah. the cabinet and starts chasing down Ricky. And I'm like, holy shit. That escalated quickly. And actually, behind the scenes, they actually did pick on that kid that plays Mozart. Oh, that's shitty. Um, To where the one that's the counselor that comes in and breaks it up, he actually had to come in and break things up. Wow. Because they were picking on that kid. For real. Yeah, I guess that's what happens when you get real kids to play, real middle schoolers to play. Real middle schoolers, right? Yeah. You end up with camp toxicity. Life imitating art. Oh, there's they're bugging Angela about swimming. Why don't you go in the water? Are you crazy? And Swole Ronnie intervenes. So after the Swole Ronnie intervenes with them bullying, there's the uh, kids with the water balloons up on the roof. Angela walking about, and they, they throw a water balloon at her, knock her down. It's just more bullying at camp toxicity. Right. Yeah. Well, camp middle school. Mel actually, yeah, Mel actually has to do something other than just try to pretend everything's okay. Because Swole Ronnie's off doing lifting or something. Probably. Lifting real hard. Yeah, and to make a run for protein shakes. Because we have Ricky show up again that's just with his foul mouth. Just fuck, 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 fuck. Yep, Jason Mews and uh, Jay and Silent Bob strike back. Yes, only half his age. <laughs> well, yeah, now. So then we have, well, Ricky in the, well, Ricky's gone. It's Billy is up on the roof with the other teenagers. And he's like, I gotta go take a wicked dump. <laughs> and you said something about their their accents. Yeah, they're very uh, New England, that Boston thing going on. And some of the dialogue choices as well, of course. Yeah, because well, I've never really, well, I gotta go take a wicked dump. That does definitely sounds Boston. Yeah. And he's killed by bees. Oh, no, not the bees! Not the bees! Ah! Oh, no, my eyes! My eyes! Ah! Ah! <laughs> yep, and apparently he's allergic to them because, well, a lot of welts very quickly. Yeah, like instant. Because he's only in there a couple minutes. Uh, the killer drops a beehive in there. Yeah, cuts it a, a little screen open. And, you know, keeps him locked in the, the bathroom stall. Right. Which he eventually breaks, but just too late. He's already been stung a half million times. Angela and Paul down at the beach at night. And they're they're doing their, their first make-out session. And we get these flashbacks that reveal the, the dad. And uh, <coughs> his friend. Yes, his friend and lover. His lover, yes. Yes, because Angela's dad was gay and in a relationship with the guy that was shouting, it's, oh, we got to go to the doctor, was his gay lover. Right. Which, 1983, that's a big deal. Yep. And we have Angela and Peter standing in the doorway, like, giggling, watching dad make out naked with another dude. Yep. Like, it, it, they didn't walk in on them having sex, though. It's, um, they're shirtless in bed hugging, and the, the kids are just pointing and laughing, and we get those... Scenes pre or post coitus. Yeah, the scenes of Peter and Angela sitting on a bed, just pointing at each other. Right, which uh, you indicated to me that you thought was more like representations of them expressing interest in the opposite 
uh, genitalia. Yeah, because we all go through that. It's like a little kid. Right. They're like, yeah. They're they're younger in that scene than like this. Off. Well, I mean, obviously they're younger because you know the opening scene, but quite. They seem like they're quite a bit younger. They're they're quite pre prepubescent. Yeah. But they're obviously at an age where they've been told that boys and girls have different parts, but are like, but what do they look like? And these flashbacks, they have an effect on Angela that makes her get up and tell Paul, no, 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 we can't do this and run away. And now we have them playing Capture the Flag. Yes. And they're absolutely shitty game of Capture the Flag. Right. Where all the kids are just in the field, just running around each other. Because they don't, they don't really want to play, to be fair. Well, yeah, they just needed something to occupy them. Swole Ronnie was busy, so the kids needed to be safe. Yeah, because the other counselors are completely inept. Absolutely inept. And Ricky and Angela go off into the woods to, um, we're going to sneak around to the other camp, which is how you're supposed to play Capture the Flag. Right. And that's when Judy is seducing Paul. Right, well, you know, because just because she wants to piss off Angela. And even brings up the fact that, well, Paul said you were a prude. Yep. That's uh, later in there. Uh, they're, like, at the shoreline. Yeah, because they're at the shoreline again. Everyone's swimming in the lake, and... Is this when Meg shakes her? Yeah. Meg comes. No, well, is it? Yeah, I think it's after that, because Paul's trying to apologize, and, and Judy likes to keep throwing things on the fire. Just trying to keep... Just wants to watch the camp burn, figuratively. Yeah, and so Angela... Angela's thrown in the water by Judy and Meg, and the whole time Mel thinks Ricky's the killer. Right. And it's grilling Ricky, and, like, Ricky tries to step away to help Angela, and Mel's like, oh, it's always about Angela, isn't it? Is that why you killed people? Right, because he's so convinced that he's going to take justice into his own hands. He's going to let this other girl drown so he can yell at Ricky. Right, exactly. That even Swole Ronnie is like, whoa, Mel, no, no. Yeah. We have that night when Swole Ronnie is with all the counselors, like, in a meeting. And sending them off to do their things. Um, he's sending one kid, one guy out with all the littles under the stars. The ones that threw sand at Angela on the beach. The shore, rather. Right, yeah. And we have Meg talking to Mel, who's in his 60s. And she's all like, hey, hey, you want to hang out? You said we'd have a, a dinner date. Yeah, because apparently she's into older dudes. Yeah, because she's like 17. And it's right. not like, I'm like, what What does she hope to achieve here? Is she like sleeping with him for a reason? No, she's not because she's super like girl, young girl in love. Like, I have to take a shower. And she's singing to herself. Yeah, it's very bizarre. And even when she's back at the, at the cabin trying to get ready, everyone's like, oh, what's up with Meg? Why is she in such a good mood? Right. And so she goes to take a shower, and she gets killed. Yep, stabbed in the back. Yep. And uh, all the way down, though you don't really get to see that until later. No, no, it's pretty bloodless here, you said. Yeah, like, shockingly so. Like, Psycho has more, more blood than this scene. It's kind of interesting. Everything happens fast here, and the movie, like, realizes, like, oh my god, we gotta finish and hurry up. Yeah, it definitely is pretty accelerated at the end here. Because we have Mel running around, searching for Meg, and they're like, uh, oh, she she had the night off. Judy's I know. Tra- Judy's <laughs> trying to get laid. Um, They all realize that Mel... You know, they, they, I think they know Mel has a thing because he's like, they're like, oh, well, she's out. Um, she, she was off tonight. Yeah, we were going to meet. Oh, uh, OK. Well, she's not here, Mel. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, oh, 
she your girl this your your side piece this year mel <laughs> right and and he finds the dead body yeah where leslie said she's like filleted <laughs> yeah yeah pretty grim but just interesting that they didn't show much during the actual i mean that's kind of a trend throughout the whole movie is the actual murders tend to be kind of obscured and then you see the aftermath later Mm-hmm. like the boy that drowned we don't see the drowning right we just see the body with the snakes coming out of it later exactly so yeah meanwhile judy was trying to get laid yeah judy's with this guy mel bursts in looking for meg yeah and the guy decides you know what judy you and your prepubescent boobies aren't worth me getting caught and in trouble so i'm out and that's when we see the killer yep who since we watched it on tubi which is the the restored version it's very clearly Angela. It is interesting that they actually used the actress in that scene rather than just using, like, some random body double or whatever. But it's weird because, like, she's not in makeup and she's just wearing, like, regular clothes. Yeah, I, and I think the idea was that they were always supposed to shoot in shadow. So the shape was more important than, you know, being in makeup and, the, you know, an outfit or anything like that. Yeah, because if you saw it in theaters or on VHS, it, it was just a shadowy figure. Right. Sometimes modern technology ruins good things. Angela kills Judy with a curling iron. Yes. In shadow, which is a cool shot. Yeah, we just see the silhouettes on the wall. We don't see... Which uh, definitely, you know... You let the imagination run wild. What's going on? It's uh, pretty grim. Because a lot of times, I mean, and you see people talk about it on forums for this. Like, did she um, penetrate Judy with that curling iron? It's the implication. Yeah, that kind of is. But it's left up to you to pick the interpretation. And given the ending, I, I wouldn't put sexual violence past Angela. No, not at this point. The breaking point has been reached. So Mel catches up with Ricky and just beats the life out of him. Yep. Apparently, apparently Ricky survives. Yeah, there's a line that Ricky lives, but Mel thinks he's did it. He's like, good, I'm happy I killed this child. Yes, I, I beat this child to death with my bare hands without any without any due process. Just because I have a gut reaction. Mm-hmm. And I probably get shot through the neck with an arrow. Yep, he's shot through the neck with an arrow. And we get Swole, Swole Ronnie and the, the blonde lady. Yeah, the two useful counselors. They, they stumble upon all the little kids just axed to death. Right. Because, gore everywhere. Yeah, definitely one of the two harsher scenes in the movie. Yeah, and it's, we don't see that murder happen. No, luckily. I, that would have been pretty grim. Just the aftermath. And they're all still in their sleeping bags. Yeah. Like, she routinely murdered one, and then the other, just down the line, get, while they were all slept. Pretty cold. Yeah, we get that quick scene of Angela with not a drop of blood on her. And Paul on the shore, and she's like, take off your clothes. Right. And Paul's like, yeehaw, all right. <laughs> because shortly after that, we have, well, we have the quick scene with the, the fake mustache cop. Right. Um, Obviously fake mustache, because apparently they shot a scene with him early on, and he had his mustache, and then he decided to shave it off. And they're like, well, we can't go back and reshoot that, so... In order for it to match, you need to wear this fake mustache now. Yep. Well, you do what you gotta do. Yeah, but normally actors know that not to change their appearance. You'd think, but, you know, slasher film from 1983. I mean, well, I, when I was doing theater, I worked with somebody that took that too seriously. Like, you're, you're not supposed to change your appearance when you're cast in a role. Right. And yeah. so he, he decided, well, that means everything. 
So no showering or anything? Uh, that's a little too method. Uh, too method, especially for a character that does shower. <laughs> that's a, a Jared Leto levels of kind of gross method acting. And so they, um, Swole, Ronnie, and the Blondie, they, they come, they find Angela sitting on the beach with Paul's head in her lap, humming. Yeah. We get the big reveal and the flashbacks to crazy Aunt Martha with the surviving child eight years ago. Yep. Saying, well, I already have a son, and I yeah, I have a boy. I want a girl, so I'm going to make you Angela. You're not Peter anymore. You're Angela. Such a pretty name. It means angel. Right. And we get the big reveal of Angela standing there naked, and Swole Ronnie go, she's a he. Right. She's a boy or something. I Transphobic shit like that. Yeah. We get penis. <laughs> right. And the worst... I hate this ending so fucking much. Yeah, and the movie just ends on that. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the worst part of it. There's no denouement. There's nothing. It just ends on this horrible mask. Yeah, because awful noise. Just, what the fuck just happened? Because they um they made a mask of Angela, and they found some drunk drunk college kid to just stand there naked with the mask, and they still don't know who that actor was. They all forgot who he was. It's kind of sad. He was drunk so he probably doesn't remember himself yeah well he had to get drunk to do it is he's oh. like well sure i'll do it but i gotta get fucking hammered <laughs> and they're like sure yeah i hate that ending for yep myriad reasons well it is incredibly transphobic but it was the 80s and the other thing is it's not like angela chose that right she's kind of forced assigned into that gender role by her aunt which ironically is kind of almost it's interesting right like almost representative of the forced assignment of gender roles in, in general yeah i don't think they were going for that no meaning, i don't though. think so either but it is something you know death of the artist right you can interpret things differently yeah oh hold the talk nowadays about um trans teenagers yeah you know I mean, you, you and could, all this controversy surrounding it I mean, there's, this is definitely laden with uh, homoeroticism, the whole movie. So, yeah. I mean, you could view it as a piece of, like like you can look at Nightmare on Elm Street 2 and kind of view it as a piece of, of queer cinema, right? Yeah. Oh, well, the thing with Nightmare on Elm Street 2 is that the writer yeah. knowingly made it. And I think Robert England said that as well. Yeah, well, Robert England is like, oh, yeah, this is clearly what it is. The only one who didn't know was the director. Right. You treated it like a uh, Nightmare Just like, on Elm Street movie, which is why it's kind of a shitty Nightmare on Elm Street movie, but it's a, a pretty good movie. But he gets all of the homoeroticism in that movie down. Oh, yeah, nails it. Well, it also helped that the, the main actor in that movie was also gay. Right. Was an actual teenager coming to terms with his sexuality. You know, it, it's a uh, – maybe we should do Nightmare on Elm Street 2 at some point, but it's a – it's an interesting movie. Oh, I, was, I didn't really like it the time I saw it, but like over time, like the more I thought about it, I'm like, this has got some good stuff in it. Yeah, well, I like that one well because it's it's not like a typical Nightmare on Elm Street movie, and it has that that undertone and just that whole thing about a gay kid. We're a little off topic though. Yes, yeah, but discussing queer horror movies, I guess. But back to Sleepaway Camp. There's the sequels, which I hate. The sequels are terrible. Yeah, I, I'm trying to choose to ignore them. Because yes. I actually overall like this movie, ending notwithstanding. They could have just said it's Angela. They didn't need the um, gender thing. Nope. Just, oh, it's Angela. It's still 
a sufficient ending to what's been a murder mystery more than a slasher. Right, and just well, the shot, and I mean, there's no, there's no, it's just literally like, it's like bad porn, it's just money shot, nothing else. Yeah, it's shocking for shocking sake, and that's actually yeah. how I first came across the movie. It just undermines the film, right? Like, because mm-hmm. it's pretty good other than that, truthfully. Because I'd found a, a list online, you know, way back in the, the dial-up days, and I printed it out on a dot matrix printer of movies with the most shocking endings. Yeah, this one's usually brought up on that list. Yeah, Wicker Man was on that list. And see, that has a big twist ending that serves yes. the movie. Yeah, right. Um, uh, we're, we're referring to the original, right? We're not talking about the bees. <laughs> no, although we so should have made a joke about that earlier. Oh, shit, yeah, we missed that opportunity. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this one, it's just it didn't need a twist ending. And the sequels betray this movie. Yeah. Because, well, they have Angela that has completed reassignment surgery. So apparently Aunt Martha just guessed right. Yeah. And I mean, I guess you have a 50-50 chance. In Sleepaway Camp 2 and 3, Angela is played by Pamela Springsteen, who we all know who her older brother is. The uh, the lesser of the Springsteens. Yes. Well, it depends on how you feel about Bruce's music, I suppose. The younger sister of the boss is playing Angela, who um, is now just obsessed with camping, just loves summer camp, which you think would not be the case because Angela had such a terrible, terrible um, experience at camp. Oh, yeah. I mean, unless you think she really enjoyed those murders, which, judging by what happens in the sequels, maybe maybe she did. Yeah, because in the sequels, she's first of all, she's a camp counselor in Sleepaway Camp 2, Unhappy Campers. She's a camp counselor that's killing all the bad campers. And her rationale for what makes a bad camper deserving death, you know, continues to expand until right. she's murdered. Very, half the very narrow. Camp. She starts having very specific uh, desires about what, uh, what you know, slight, uh, minor slights. Sleepaway Camp 3, she pretends to be a camper. She, like, murders a girl and takes her identity to go to summer camp. Right, and. It's basically like uh, Steve Buscemi. Yeah. How do you do, fellow kids? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> because they even make a comment like, aren't you too old to be a, in summer camp for kids? I did a lot of drugs. <laughs> oh, okay. And they just take it at that. Like, we're not going to push this any further. Yeah. Well, there's also a kill in that movie where she has that, well, I did a lot of drugs. And this woman's like, oh, well, can you get me some cocaine? <laughs> she's like sure here and hands her like rat poison but they suck and then sleepaway camp for the survivor is mostly just clips from the other movies this is the amnesiac one and uh, we were discussing this a little bit earlier off uh off call but i like the amnesiac trope and uh the the duality of like if you lose your memories and are incapable of getting them back and you're forced to confront your past you are you that same person? And I like that. And there's a few bits of media lately that I've been consuming. So yeah, because I, I mentioned Disco Elysium when we were talking earlier. Uh, play that game if you haven't played it. And you're you know want a really good uh, well, just a good game in general. It's great. Oh, another really good indie game was Braid that dealt with forgetting the past. Oh yeah, and uh, Bioshock games we were. Yeah, Bioshock. And yeah, so that's that's a trope that comes up in. Uh, in media, and I actually, it's one I liked because it is an, always an interesting discussion to have. And actually, I watched a movie last night that was on that. Um, what was it? Fractured, 2019. Oh, with I Sam. Seen that, but I think I've heard of that. 
Yeah, it was Sam Worthington, directed by Brad Anderson, and basically his family goes missing in a hospital, and people are telling him, oh, you came in by yourself, you didn't bring a family in here, and so it's like, does he have amnesia, doesn't he? It was a really good little thriller. Yeah, I kind of like that. Like I said, I like that archetype. It it it's, it's always brings up interesting discussions about what makes a person a person. Oh, wait, there was one more thing. Uh, Sleepaway Camp sequels, there is Return to Sleepaway Camp that came out in 2008, and it was the original director, again, Robert Hiltzik. Starring Swole Ronnie. Starring Swole Ronnie and Felisa Rose. Right. <laughs> reprising their roles. Which is cool. It's kind of like a like a new nightmare sort of uh, thing going on there. Kind of. Which was the first Nightmare on Elm Street movie I saw, by the way. Really? Yeah. First one I saw was Freddy's Dead. Oh. Return to Sleepaway Camp is very cheesy. It's almost like a dark comedy. Oh, yeah. And it stars the original, the important members of the original cast. Swarani and Angela. <laughs> the ones who survive, anyway. And any final thoughts on it? That fucking ending. Yeah, that fucking ending. I, I actually really like this movie. If I can ignore the last literal minute of the movie. It's literally the last minute of the movie. Well, I, I don't I, know if I've ever seen a movie where I've enjoyed it up to the last scene. Like, the only thing that ruins the movie is the last. I don't think I've ever seen a movie that did that to me. But it is a difficult movie to enjoy. Uh, because all the other characters are such assholes. But it's... it, Yeah, but for good reason. I mean, they're fucking middle schoolers. Except for that cook... Oh, yeah, that guy's just a mincing pedophile, and that guy deserves to get burned his face off. He deserves to spend the rest of his life in blind agony. Yes, he does. But I, I like this movie. I, I do, and the ending – it actually makes that the ending even more upsetting to me because I enjoyed it up until that. I'm like, man, this is actually like, – I like some of the cinematography. I like the music. You know, it definitely gets the feel of like a middle school summer camp, which is just abject hell, and – then here's a horrible mask and a dumb punchline of a movie and then a freeze frame and no actual no actual like catharsis nothing you just it's that's what it is um real quick we're gonna break for one last minute commercial here and we'll be right back Hi, I'm Sol Ronnie. I'm 5'6", 250 pounds of pure HG enhanced muscles. I could probably bench lift a car. Want a seat? Come on down to Sol Ronnie's gym. We have weights and uh, medicines available to help you lift more of those weights. Sure, people will tell you that unchecked muscle growth won't automatically make you some sort of great athlete, but you'll totally have the rocket bod you always wanted. Who needs football when some time at Soul Ronnie's gym will give you all the big muscles women, well, some women, love with half the time and effort as a personal trainer. Sure, I may not be crushing puss like some old man, but I get the amount of trim that I can to be expected for a man with the strength of seven bears and steroid-ravaged testicles the size of marbles. Visit Soul Ronnie's to get the body a disproportionate Adonis would have that would make the women stare and go, What the fuck is that? Soul Ronnie's gym. Who needs people skills when you have muscles? 
You did mention the soundtrack. I have not been able to find the soundtrack. Yeah, that's interesting. I uh, found a song from it, which was the only one that was on YouTube, which is Angela's theme. But it's just the the song that plays at the end credits. Yeah. But there is ambient music that act that plays. There is actual somebody wrote music. Yeah. It works really well for the movie, in my opinion. Somebody has like a restored soundtrack on youtube but it was like an hour long and i'm like i'm not in the mood yeah. so i mean <laughs> man it, ah, whatever because there wasn't an actual soundtrack released yeah well you know it's a lower budget movie but still it's an era where every movie had a fucking that's, soundtrack that's that true. you could buy but anyway uh next week i don't want to do another slasher but next week we're recording the week of a friday the 13th so we are doing friday the so 13th. instead of one slasher Instead of no slashers, we're getting two slashers. Yeah, so we're doing Friday the 13th, and then the bonus episode is going to be Friday the 13th Part 2. Alexis Jeske. I don't want to do a slasher. Also Alexis Jeske. We're going to do two slasher movies this week. But after that, it's not a slasher. A week after that, we're doing an older movie, and we got Charlie McMullen guesting on, with On the us. plus side, the Friday the 13th movies, the first two are actually pretty good. So. Oh, yes, they are. They're actually, these are maybe the most quality films we've well, Dead right, Alive yeah, yeah, okay, is brilliant. <laughs> so we will catch you then uh, real quick here. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Big special thanks to Charlie McMullen and William Wright for recording the advertisements heard in this episode. Make sure to subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you like what we do, make sure to leave a review and let others know. Help us get the word out. Follow us on Twitter at Podcast Exploit or on Instagram at Exploited Podcast. Or contact us at exploitedpodcast at gmail.com. And that was Sleepaway Camp. That fucking. Yep. We got that one out of the way, so we can yeah. just have fun now. <laughs> <laughs>